It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey there, Duke fans, and welcome to DBR Bites, episode number 32. It is Wednesday, January 31st. We are at the end of January. It feels like it's already been a year, but it's only January, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Donald Wine, for this episode, but I have a guy with me who's back from the land of penguins and polar bears. Jason <laughs> wait, Evans wait, 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 has wait. returned. No polar bears. No po- polar bears are up north. Penguins are down south. All those movies, commercials, and stuff where they're penguins and polar bears together, the two shall never meet. They don't know what each other is. Jason, I, I was going to ask you, you could have you could have done this in the National Geographic portion of this DVR <laughs> bites. But Jason Evans is back, ladies and gentlemen. That's the most important thing. Uh, I don't you. see any penguins with him. I, I, I guess I don't. I won't see any polar bears since he didn't encounter them. But no. Jason, how was the trip? Oh my God, man! It was uh, it was incredible. This was perspective altering. That's what I've been saying to people. Like literally my view of the world and what it looks like and what it is, is uh, at least a little bit transformed because of all the stuff I saw. I I went there. I'm a person who loves, I love animals. I'm big on animals. I, you know, I've been to Galapagos. I've been to Africa. Uh, you know, they're like the other things on my bucket list are things like I want, I want to go see the polar bears in the Arctic. I, I absolutely want to go to Madagascar to see the lemurs. Shout out Duke Lemur Center. I'd love it. Can you arrange mm-hmm. that for me, Duke Lemur Center? Uh, I, and I really want to go both to Australia uh, to see the kangaroos and the koalas and the such and and uh, scuba at the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, and then the number one thing on my bucket list was to see the uh, mountain gorillas in Rwanda. And the number two thing was to go see penguins in Antarctica. So I've checked number two off the list now. 
all that said about me and the animals, Donald, the most impressive thing, the most amazing thing was the ice. It was the landscapes. It was the way it looks down there. It, it, it literally looked like something out of a, a film, like a Marvel movie or something like that. Like, oh, we're going to take you to the, the ice. Yeah, planet. it looked like a, some, of the, some of the pictures that you posted looked like yeah. movie sets. Yeah, it looks like you're going to some other world. And if if someone said to you, no, no, this is still Earth, this is Antarctica, you would say, if you saw it in a movie, you would say, you know what? The digital artists, those CGI guys, they overdid it. It can't really look like that. They made it look unrealistic. That's how cool it is. It looks unrealistic. It was, uh, it was amazing. And I would think about the fact, I would look at these unbelievable icebergs, these gigantic glaciers that are quite literally carving mountains out of the earth. And I would think about the fact that the ice that formed them was made back when mankind was just monkeys and we weren't even walking upright yet. Like the, the icebergs that are floating around that broke off from the glaciers, you don't measure them in hundreds or even thousands of years old. It's tens of thousands, perhaps even more than that, years old. And to think about the blink of an eye, <laughs> not even the blink of an eye that all of us are on this planet compared to the, the, the things I was seeing and experiencing. Like I said, Donald, it's perspective altering. And all that said, the animals were pretty cool too. The penguins were amazing. <laughs> the penguins. I are will so say I've I've seen penguins. I've seen penguins in Australia. Um, which yes. were it's uh, bleeping awesome. Like there's just no way to describe they're so it. Cute. It's just they're just so awesome. Um, so I've seen them there. I I've been to uh the you know see kangaroos and and koalas and yeah and been to the barrier reef. So I have that on you. But I I obviously have a couple you know a few questions about about this trip for you. First of all, where did you leave out of? Because I know there's a couple places. I know there's one place sure. in Argentina that apparently is beautiful that a lot of people leave out of. Is that where you left out of for your trip? Yes. Yeah. So, just so everyone knows. So the, the way we did this trip was we flew from Atlanta to Buenos Aires in Argentina. Uh, we overnighted in Buenos Aires in a very, very nice hotel. And then the next morning we took a charter flight to Ushuaira. Ushuaira is the Ushuaira, city in yeah. Argentina. Uh, it's down there in Tierra del Fuego, very close to Patagonia. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's, it's literally billed as, you know, the city at the bottom of the world, the, the end of the world, I think they call it down there in Ushuaira. I, I'm not hundred percent certain of this. I think it is sort of the last, I wouldn't call it a major city. It's like 50 to 80,000 people or so, but it's sort of the last city, the most southernmost city on the planet. And that's where you leave from. Uh, it takes you about two days on a cruise ship to get from Ushuaira down to the Ar uh, Antarctic Peninsula. Um, you know, sort of past the South Shetland Islands into Antarctica. We we traveled below the Antarctic Circle. There's a very specific longitude and latitude that you have to reach to be in, actually in Antarctica. And it was it was truly remarkable. Donald, I know you're going to ask me about the Drake Passage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I, <laughs> yeah. I have to ask because <laughs> we, we've talked, you know, we keep talking about it on this show that you're that you're navigating those waters. People don't understand it. I, I've never been it. I've only, you know, watched a lot of you know, videos on it. Uh, yeah. But I also know a couple of people now. You you are the second person I know um, that uh, that has gone to the Drake Passage. And, yes. the, you know, the Drake Passage is notorious because for a lot of people who don't know the geography south of there, there's nothing to stop the tide. Like there's right. no body. There's no landmass that low that can stop the tide so the tide just runs unchecked for for a lot of the year 
How was it down there for you? I know there's times where it's, it is calm and there's some times where it's so bad that they won't even let you go. I, I you obviously went, so you, right. it wasn't that bad, but how, how, how did it go? Yeah. So they refer to it either as the Drake Lake or the Drake shake. And our first day we got the Drake shake, my friend. <laughs> yeah. We oh, were yeah. getting, we we're getting about 16 to 20 foot waves. The ship was tossed about a, a lot and I am very, very fortunate, Donald. I, I have a strong stomach. I just don't. I'm one of these people who just doesn't get motion sick or seasick. So I, mm -hmm. I took no drugs at all. Drugs are your friend, but they. I didn't even bother to to consult my friend. I took no drugs at all, and I was perfectly fine. My wife was not so lucky. Mm. <laughs> the good Miss Evans, Kathy Evans, uh, was taking some fairly powerful medicine, and it did nothing to help her. She the first night when we were getting those twenty foot swells, she. Uh, she spent a, a portion of the evening um, praying to the porcelain porcelain god. If you if you catch my drift, it's like, yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I I've been on a lot of cruises. I've actually been on a cruise that kind of went through a hurricane. Not not something you recommend you recommend doing, no. but it is. But it's something that happened. Um, and the ship was tossing and turning. I've only been seasick one time in my life, and that was actually going to the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. It's the mm. only time I've ever been seasick. That those were really rocky seas, but. Uh, not as rocky as the Drake Passage, so I, I, you know, Ms. Evans, we understand it's okay. Yeah. She, she, by the way, was not alone. There were many, many people on the boat. I, I believe it. Yeah, who were having real, real trouble. There were not many like me who were sort of like, yeah, I was perfectly fine. Uh, the second day that we were on the Drake, it was not bad at all. That you're, you're right. There's that. There's sort of a section of the Drake Passage that extends around the bottom of the planet, and once you get through that, and that's the that's the really rough part. Once you get through that it's not nearly as bad. So the second day on our trip down to Antarctica, the waves were much lower and she she was pretty good. Uh, and then on our way back, we were then five days in Antarctica going to a whole bunch of different things along the Antarctic Peninsula. And then we were two days coming back. And the first of those days, again, wasn't quite as rough and she was, she was good. The second one was lesser. It, we had like, I was told it was like six to 10 foot swells. And Kathy was fine. Everyone I knew who had suffered on the way down there was, was pretty good. I will say this about the Drake as, as awful as it may have been for the 24 hours or so that she and the other people were enduring it. I heard no one say, Oh wow, I'm never coming back. Oh my gosh. I, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it wasn't worth it. Everyone sort of said, yeah, it was bad, but it was worth it because being down there is so incredible that you sort of immediately forget that you were retching in the toilet uh, just a few hours ago. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, for lack of a better word, it's a rite of passage to get down there, right? You you some people have to go through it to, right. to get that have that pain to get the glory. So, um, that's really cool. And then uh, talk about some of the wildlife down there. I know you you said you saw a bunch of penguins. There's some other ones, uh, obviously that you, no one ever sees because you know very few people get to Antarctica. Yeah. What are some of those like cool animals that you're like, man, you can only find this down here on the on the you know forbidden you know tundra that is Antarctica. Exactly. So the first thing, I, I, let me go back to the penguins really quick, because one of the really cool things that I did not know about penguins, Donald, have you ever heard of Penguin Highway? Yes. Oh, so, okay. Highway. Better educated. I learned I about it in know. Australia. So go ahead. Tell the oh, Okay. I did not know that there are penguin highways. Uh, the, the way, you know, these penguins are living in the midst of, you know, very thick ice and a, a good bit of snow, and they need a path sort of through the ice and snow to get to the water because they they put their nests uh, uh, sort of you know way high up high because they don't want it to be covered by snow and things like that 
And so they, what they do is they start walking in a line and no way to say this other than this. They, they take poops, they dump, there's guano on the ground. And when they do that, as they walk in this line, it melts the ice and it creates like little lanes in the ice for them to wander down. That is the penguin highway. And, uh, you know, anytime you have a penguin colony, there'll be highways from like one colony to another, from the colony to the ocean, from the colony to another place. And as we were walking around and wandering, you had to be real careful if you got close to a penguin highway, which we did often, because you have to look around. If there are penguins coming, you have to wait, let them go, because you don't want to get in their way. They get very confused. Like when they see humans, they, they don't think anything of us if we're not in their way, but if get it because they know we're not going to hurt them and they know we're not food. If you're not going to hurt them and you're not food, you don't matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you get in their way, they're like, wait, what, you know, what do I do now? And let me tell you, you don't want a penguin going down the highway, having to take a detour. He doesn't know where he's going then. He's like, whoa, I'm, I'm off the highway. I'm <laughs> off-roading it. And they, uh, they don't, they don't have penguin maps. They so. don't have penguin maps. They do not. Uh, so the penguins were amazing. And by the way, the, perhaps the coolest thing they did was when they got in the water, it's called porpoising where they, where they're jumping out of the water. Yep. Donald, I got a picture. There was a, a school of penguins. I guess they're called a school. I don't know, a flock, whatever they, whatever they're called. There was a group of penguins, about 15 or 20 of them who were porpoising right toward the Zodiac that we were riding in. And I, I had my zoom lens on my camera and I took a shot. Donald, I'm going to tell you that I'm not a great photographer, but National Geographic is going to be giving me a call, my friend. I got a picture that is so good of these penguins nice. porpoising. It's really, it is remarkably clear. They are out of the water. I was like, how did I get that picture? So the penguins were just, they're just too much. The other thing, there are two other things that are really cool. One is the seals, especially the leopard mm -hmm. seals. Leopard seals are big. And they are scary looking. If you have ever seen the teeth of a leopard seal, you know why that sucker has no predators <laughs> down there. Occasionally, occasionally I've been told a killer whale will show up and the leopard seal yep. will have a competitor. But other than that, they actually have a they actually have a specific species or I guess sect of killer whales that uh, orcas that learn how to get their prey in a special way because of the seals that are on the ice they learn how to flood them off of the ice so that oh, they wow. can grab them because yeah. that's not something that they have to worry about in other parts of the world yeah uh so the leopard seals and the other seals were were really cute and and yet also really dangerous and interesting and then down the whales I, I've, I've been on whale watching trips before uh, i've done it in alaska uh i i did it um uh once uh in galapagos and uh, I most assuredly went whale watching when I was in Iceland uh, back in August. But I've never seen this many whales in one place. We, would we wouldn't even be specifically whale watching. We would just sort of be out in our Zodiac on our way to some penguins or our way to see something else. And suddenly we'd be like, oh, look, there's a mommy. And by the way, it's the right time of year because it's all mommies and babies. Oh, look, there's a, there's a mommy and her baby hunchback. And she's teaching him how to do this or do that. We would just run into them like almost every day, just at random. And it was it was just so incredible and so beautiful. Um, you, you you don't realize how small you are until you've seen a baby humpback whale and you're like, oh, that's a baby because he's huge. <laughs> right, right. So the other thing I had was the weather down there. I know obviously it, yeah. it can get very cold in Aust in, in Antarctica. Um, was it super cold down there? And also, did you take the plunge? I know some people jump into the water um did you do that as well 
So uh, it was not as cold as you would think. Uh, the the cruise line Seaborn, I cannot recommend them more highly, by the way. If you're thinking about, uh, this is a luxury cruise line. This is not an inexpensive trip. But if you can afford it, do it. <laughs> do it. And Seaborn is a great way to do it. It was an amazing, amazing ship. They provided us with parkas. Um, they, they were sort of, it, it's like a double parka. It was both like a, a, a liner that can be worn separately and then a waterproof parka on the outside. And and we were perfectly fine the whole time. I would say the temperature got, you know, maybe down to 28 or so. For the most part, it was right around 30 degrees. I'm not saying that's not cold. Absolutely, that's cold. But we didn't feel cold at any time. And in fact, I often was unzipping my parka, unzipping my my jacket, because I was a little warm and I wanted to, to get a little bit of air. Um, it was cold on your face a lot and your ears. If you don't wear a beanie or a hat or something, your ears are getting very cold, my friend. But uh, but but the weather wasn't that bad, and we we had very little rain, uh, you know, some snow flurries here and there. But it was it was really nice weather. As for the polar plunge, damn straight I did it. Yes, I did. Uh, the <laughs> I was told that the the uh, water temperature now the water is obviously salt water. Salt water has a freezing temperature lower than regular water, the kind of water that we have around here. So I was told that the water temperature was about thirty degrees, twenty nine or thirty something like that, right in that ballpark. And yeah. I went ahead and I jumped in and uh, it was really, really cold. Uh, I was not wearing a wetsuit or anything. I was just wearing a regular bathing suit. They did tie a uh, a rope around me, like they had a special belt attached to a rope. And I was told the reason they did that was because it doesn't happen very often, Donald, but occasionally someone hits the water and instantly goes into cardiac arrest. <laughs> uh-huh. And that way they can pull you in if you happen to pass out or something like that from hitting the cold water. I did not. I went into the water. It was very salty. It was very cold. I got out immediately, but I'm glad I did it. It was a lot of fun. And they had some Don Julio tequila that we were able to take one shot before you went in and two shots after you came out. Don Julio got me warm very, very quickly. <laughs> I'm about to say, the, the, uh, the alcohol on trips uh, on boats like that um, are always fun, even after like you know, be also like a rocky uh, cruise like that, you know, you're going through Drake Passage, they do say that alcohol helps kind of stabilize you. But I, I don't know if the Drake Passage, if that, if, yeah, if that was dude, a, I, a no, conquering hero. No one who's suffering to the Drake is like, you know what I need right now? Three or four drinks. <laughs> that's, <Yeah. laughs> that's not happening. Not happening. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. I mean, anything else about the trip you want to share with uh, everybody? I, I, I'm, I'm sure there's tons, but but yeah. tell us what's, what's going on. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I've got I, I think I, I probably need to go to the Duke basketball report forums. I know that, you know, it's sort of interesting to me. We're the DBR podcast. We grew up out of the Duke basketball report website. And yet there are a fair number of people who listen. I, I'm I'm convinced there are a pretty fair number of people who listen to this podcast who haven't visited the Duke basketball report to sort of know where we come from. But we talk about the forums all the time. And I, I think I need to go to the forums and post some of my pictures so people can see them. Because even though pictures don't even begin to tell the story, but it's magical. It's beautiful. Like, Donald, there's no sunset. I have to post the picture of Kathy and I standing on the bow of our, of our ship at, at midnight in Antarctica. And it looks like the sun is just like hovering at the back of the horizon. What happens as you approach midnight at this time of year, this is the, this is the middle of summer. Remember that their summer, our, mm -hmm. our summer's their winter and vice versa. Uh, the sun sort of, lowers in the sky it sort of gets right to the horizon and then it just 
hovers there, believe it or not, for about two or three hours. And then it starts coming back up again. And we took a picture at midnight that is just stunning. The, the colors, the oranges, and how the way they reflect off the off all the uh, glaciers and and icebergs that are around us. Really, really beautiful stuff. I, I I can't I can't recommend this highly enough, Donald. It's it's an amazing amazing experience that everyone needs to have at some point in their life if they can tolerate going through the Drake. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you and uh, and Mrs. Evans were able to do that. One final question: How's Cameron? Yeah, I know Cameron missed you. Uh, yes, he did miss me. He did miss me. He was very excited. Uh, I I got back and he was in the bedroom with my with my mom and and we, you know, the nature of when you fly back and forth. Uh, we arrived at 5 a.m. yesterday morning. That's when our plane landed here in Atlanta. And, you know, it take a little while to clear customs and such. But I got in, I got uh, I got back to the house about six or so. And Cameron was in the bedroom. He's old now. He's 13 and a half. He didn't hear me coming in. And so I got to kind of wake him up. But he was so excited when he saw me. He just, he jumped up and he was uh, licking my face and stuff like that. Uh, he definitely missed me for a couple of weeks. And I missed my guy as well. So, yeah. That's good. Well, well, I'm glad you're back uh, stateside, but uh, glad you had an incredible trip. Uh, again, he's going to post about it somewhere, probably in the DVR forums uh, in full. Uh, you can ask him more questions about that. Or if you have questions for, for Jason about Antarctica and uh, what kind of penguins are out there, uh, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. You can email those to Jason. All right, let's take a quick break. We will talk about some basketball on the other side. We're going to talk wait, wait, about the that? national what champion. The basketball? Huh? Basketball. Yeah, you missed that. Yeah, you missed the whole week and a half of basketball. Uh, basketball carried on, and as the national championship moves or comes closer, we're going to talk about some stats and what Duke needs to do to move into the upper echelon of teams that can be considered competitors. We'll be right back. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. Hey. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. And Jason, I want to talk quickly about uh, some stats that I was looking at the other day on Kim Palm. Of course, Kim Palm has been raging on while you were down south. But uh, the interesting thing is we're now starting to talk about the NCAA tournament. A lot of people are starting to talk about bids. I think you, you may have had a chance to listen to it already. I'm not sure yet. But you know, just yesterday with J.J. Jackson, we talked a little bit about the, the ACC and how it's being marked for the NCAA tournament maybe having two teams, but really Bart Torvik and some of the metrics saying that it might be, uh, at least it should be more teams that are considered, uh, you know, in the running for the NCAA tournament. Right, I saw that, yeah. I was looking earlier at the Ken Palm rankings for all of the national champions since they started back in 1998, 1999. And I was comparing that to what Duke is at right now. So I just want to, first of all, talk about Duke right now in the Ken Palm rankings to, as of today. They are 12th in the rankings. They are 10th on offense and 34th on defense. Now, the thing about every national champion, again, since 1999, the only champion that has been worse than the top 20 on offense was UConn in 2014. UConn in 2014 was, uh, was what, 15th? No, I'm sorry, they were 39th. So there, it was an aberration. Everyone else is basically... 19 or lower. In fact, that number 19 was UConn in 2011. Note, note the trend here. UConn had some very terrible teams that won a national championship. Luck, luck happens. But the other thing is, the only champion that has been worse than the top 20 on defense was Baylor back in 2021. Only two champions overall have been 10th or lower in the overall Kimpom rankings at the end of the season. Of course, those are the two UConn teams, 2010 and 2014. Now, when we look at Duke, Duke has made the Final Four in 99, 2001, uh, 2004, 2010, 2015, and 2022. Of course, they won the championship in 01, 10, and 15. Each time Duke made the Final Four, they were in the top 10 overall on Kim Pop. 2022 was really the anomaly. They were the only team 
that had a rating under 11 on defense. They had four, they were 49th on defense, which would have, if we had, you know, gone through and, and won that championship, that would have been one of the, you know, big, aber, you know, you know, anomalies in this rating system. But I look at Duke's offense and Duke's offense in these final four years, one, two, two, one, three, one. Very, very high efficiency on offense and also on defense, very, very high. We were in all those years, third, 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 fifth, 11th, and 49th. Now, again, we look at Duke now. Duke is 10th on offense. They're 34th on defense. They're 12th overall in the rankings. While we look at this team and we've seen how they've progressed throughout the year, I know we were talking at the beginning of the season about how we think the offense is going to outpace the defense. And so far, that has been true. And the defense has been very, you know, very good. We talked about uh, the game just the other night against uh, against Virginia Tech, where their defense was, I thought, incredible. And we've had some incredible defensive outputs, but we've also had some ones that have been very, very shaky. And I think the one thing that needs to be more consistently uh, on the rise as we move forward has got to be our defense. And again, we're entering a part of the schedule where we already had a tough road game on Monday. We're obviously going to talk a lot tomorrow about the big road game that's ahead of us in Chapel Hill on Saturday. We have some big time games coming up where we're going to have teams that are going to test us defensively. And I think Duke needs to figure out how to hone in and make sure that whatever happened on Monday, stopping people with a perimeter, really ride, you know, being a being a team that can rebound. We're going to run into some teams that can rebound and we need to be able to counter that. We also need to be able to, defend on the perimeter if that ranking can go up into the 25 30 range i know i think we looked at i looked at the uh, stats game and we all have uh sam you and i have our Kempom ranking we predicted it'd be in the teens right uh 15 16 11 if we can get to the you know low 20s i think during the ncaa tournament we'll be in a in, in the postseason we'll be in a great position to really raise that level up to a point where it looks like we can make a run at this thing. But, of course, it's going to take a lot of luck. It's going to take some health. I know we've got some guys that have been out recently. Get them back to 100%. But it was interesting to look at those numbers because I think when it look, when you look at how everything has transpired over the last 20 or so years, defense has been a part of that. And our defense has just been, it's been there sometimes, but it's the one thing that really needs to be consistent as we move along. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. That the defense has been, you know, the issue to some extent for this Duke team. Um, as they've as they've struggled a bit, I, I want to take you back to Thursday. I'm sorry, to Tuesday, January 9th, when Duke played Pittsburgh, the first time we played Pitt, and we beat them very, very soundly. On that day, Duke beat Pittsburgh by a score of 75 to 53. Pitt only scored 53 points against Duke. And if you looked at the Duke schedule up until that moment, we had only given up 80 points. In one game, the game we lost to Arkansas, which was just terrible, you know, just awful. But that's the only game where Duke had given up 80 points. And really, for the most part, like teams rarely scored, like Arizona scored 78, Georgia Tech scored 72. But for the most part, like teams weren't even, Baylor got 70, teams weren't even getting above 70 points against this Duke squad up to that game on Tuesday, January 9th against Pittsburgh. And after that game, I went and I looked at the old Ken Palm archives. After that game, Duke was the number 13 team in Ken Pomeroy in terms of defensive efficiency. 
You tell me Duke's going to be number 13 in defensive efficiency. I'm going to tell you that Duke's going to be a team that definitely has a great chance to cut down the nets. Donald, you know where we are today in defensive efficiency. Right now, we're number 34. 34. It hasn't been that long since that pit game. <laughs> you know? It's only been a couple weeks. Yeah. It, since January 9th, we've gone from 13th to 34th. We have really struggled. And, and, and you can tell by the scores. Georgia Tech scored 89 points on us. I'm sorry, scored 79. Pitt scored 80. Louisville scored 69. Clemson scored 71. Virginia Tech scored 67. This Duke team was holding teams in the 60s consistently prior to that game. And lately there's been just a fall off. Now, look, part of it is, I think, I think you cannot overstate how much this team has been impacted by injuries. We missed Tyrese Proctor for a while. We missed Mark Mitchell for a little while. Uh, you know, Jeremy Roach, just like last year. Remember, Jeremy Roach got hurt last year, and it, and it felt like he never really got back to what he was. Man, would I love mm-hmm. to get the Jeremy Roach back that we had a few weeks ago before he got hurt. Um, And I think one of the things that people miss is defense is something that comes from playing together. You have to be together to be able to be effective on defense. And when you've got guys who are injured and who aren't practicing, it sets everything behind. And I, I, I think that's part of the reason why this Duke team has maybe struggled a little bit more than, than people you know, expect. And it's why this team needs to, to really focus on defense to get to where they need to be. I mean, look, you know, the Virginia Tech beating, beating them the way we did and them only scoring 70, 67 points, that's pretty nice. That's pretty good. Um, this contest against North Carolina coming up is going to be a huge one because the Tar Heels, you know, we're not getting to the full preview here. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to do the right. preview. We're saving that. But the Tar Heels are a good offensive team. They're actually a better defensive team than they are offensive team. And I'm going to get into that when we do the preview, but they're a good offensive team. They're a, uh, a team that plays fast, very fast, especially in offense. They play super fast and they're a club that scores 80, 90 points all the time. They've, they've, they've scored over a hundred points three times this year. And Duke's going to need to find a way to hold North Carolina down a little bit. Uh, we, we cannot let them get easy points against us. Our defense has to be better than it has been lately. So it's funny you mentioned UNC very quickly. You know, you talk about how that game, they've been averaging 80, 90 points a game. Last year, if you remember, the two games that we had, we won 63 to 57 and then 62 to 57. They were very low scoring games. In fact, some of the lowest scoring games in the history yeah. of the series. And it was about the defense. It was about honing in on that defense. Of course, the defense last year had a, you know, a very different look than it does this year for Duke. I think I, I will continue to get to hype on what you said about the injuries. The injuries don't always is not always just the fact that these guys are out is that we have inconsistent starting lineups as a result, right? Yeah. We haven't had the – like, one of the stat game categories was, okay, we're going to have the four returning guys, and then who's going to start with them? It's, and you said it's probably just going to be Jared McCain all year long, right? I was right, baby. Jared McCain's never right, coming out we, of the starting lineup we have a sample size of like We have a sample size of, like, four, because there's only been, like, four <laughs> or five lineups where the four, you know, guys who, who return started, and then Jared McCain had an opportunity to start alongside him. We've had, you know, I mean, even when Tyrese Proctor came back, right? He came back and for several games, he was still on the bench. Jeremy Roach still on the bench after coming back from injury. Mark Mitchell has, has left the lineup and come back. Like guys, guys are going in and out. And that also affects the continuity of a defense because again, 
Jason is one thing like, right. You know, we start this podcast and I, and I say, hello, and I kick it to you. I know you're there. Right. Yeah, exactly. But it, but it's because we, we have several hundred episodes of doing that. When I look over and it's, it is somebody else, or, you know, if I'm on defense and I look over at somebody else, (laughs) I have to, you have to get to know that person, right. You have to kind of, you know, look over and be like, okay, what's this guy going to do? And on defense, it's incredibly important to know where your teammates are. Hey, wait, are you saying that Scott Rich and J.J. Jackson are not good teammates? <laughs> no, they are terrific teammates. <laughs> those guys were, shout them by out way, in a minute. Those guys were awesome. They were. I, I've listened to all the podcasts when I was away. It, it, you know, about going back to being in Antarctica, uh, I had some internet a little bit, not enough to really watch Duke games. There was nothing I could stream. Um, uh, I was able to listen, though. And by the way, I couldn't even get the DBR podcast. I couldn't get it to download. But I, but I mm. I was able to to read some stuff. I could send some emails, and when I got back to Buenos Aires before I flew home, I downloaded every DVR podcast episode. <laughs> and my plane trip was basically me listening to to you and and JJ and Scott. They did a fabulous job, and 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 Sam, of course. But I knew Sam would be great. I mean, that, yeah, that's a no brainer. Yeah, you no, know, I, I I mean, but the point is this, right? Just to to put a bow on the on the yeah. Duke defense, right? When you have guys that you don't are in the lineup every night and they're not the same person, you have to learn how to play alongside those guys. And this team is still doing that because every, once you feel like you got it right, they have another test in the form of someone else who's starting alongside them, right? Jared McCain is like the one guy who it feels like he's in the starting lineup all the time, right? I think he's maybe the one guy that started just about every game. Flip has started every game. But other than that, when Flip looks over, he sees sometimes Ryan Young, sometimes he sees Mark Mitchell, sometimes he sees Jalen Blakes. Like, there's a lot of guys on here that have to figure out how to play together. And once you get that down, I think that's going to go up. But we're reaching that part of the season where it needs to go up. The defensive part is coming. We we can't slack. We have, you know, we haven't faced UNC. We're going to face them twice. We haven't seen UVA yet. We haven't seen Miami yet. Uh, you know, we're going to see, we're going to see Louisville again and they're going to come to Cameron and they're going to want to, and everyone who comes to Cameron wants to try and beat us. There's some teams that we need to be able to take care of defensively. And that is going to be the key to seeing if this team is an elite team that can contend for a national championship versus the team who is going to, you know, be in the NCAA tournament, but not really do much. So with that, I think that's it, Jason, for now we have, obviously more coming this week with the UNC game coming up on Saturday. We are going to have a full length preview. Uh, Look for your feeds probably on Thursday, late Thursday, Friday. Uh, We will have a full preview for the UNC game at that point. But again, I want to personally thank Sam Klein, JJ Jackson, Scott Rich for being on the show in Jason's absence. They have been tremendous teammates and it was great to have uh, all of them on the show to carry the weight uh, that Jason left when he went down to look at penguins. Um, but we're glad to have Jason back. He's back now. He's back for the big one. And tomorrow, remember, look for your feeds for the UNC game. This will do it for DVR Bites, episode number 32. He's Jason. I'm Donald. And now you were here in the Duke band. It's time for them to play us out and take us home.